0: Welcome everybody online. Welcome right here today. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you right now for your sweet anointing. I thank you, Father, that you have called us, you have marked us for such a time as this. I just give you all the glory and all the praise for what you want to do today. We thank you for our great nation and uh, the anointing you have on it. We know that our nation's not perfect, just like we're not perfect, but it's the only one we got. It's the one you've made for us, and it is going to shine and be strong, and it is going to be a place that honors you. We just give you glory for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. Happy Independence Day, everyone. Yes. Kenya, um, I know I say this, but you're, you're working on it. Just a little bit down there, a little bit up here, it takes him a minute. You know, what's interesting to me is, it's interesting that Jesus is the Word. The Bible says He is the Word. He is the Logos, some total person, personality of the Word. He is the Rama. He's the promises that come from the Word. Whenever you think of words, and you turn the monitors down, please. And whenever you think of the words, who creates words? authors do. And what is an author? An author is the one that comes up with a thought or takes a thought and pins it and puts words to thoughts. Now isn't it interesting when we think about the word author, it is also the root word of authority. Author is the root word of authority. So what happens and what takes place is That whenever you're a wordsmith and you create words, you're actually operating in a realm of authority. You're operating in a realm of creativity. You're operating in a realm of production. And what I see through talking to Rayanne, who I've known for over 20 years, and others that we've had so many conversations about our country, even our own family, we discuss it a lot about race, about our nation, and we realize that our nation is not perfect. Our nation was created with an amazing premise that all men are created equal, but we know that's not the way it's been lived out. All women are created equally, and our nation was created with a great idea and premise, and it's something to honor, even though it started with a limp, and it's imperfect, and I don't know, is anyone in here perfect? Raise your hand. Right? But the key is, what I want to talk to you today is how do you and I have faith for our nation? How do we have faith for our nation? Now when I talk about faith for our nation, I'm not talking about an organization or a government. What I am talking about is our nation is made up of many nations. The word nation comes from the word ethnos and it comes from ethnicity and so we are made up of many ethnicities we are made up of many nations and what I believe the greatest battle we're facing now obviously is racism and an understanding of that and a growing and a learning and a feeling the empathy while also you know honoring one another because if I start a conversation with you and and I'm totally in that conversation to convince you or to prove to you that I'm not going to win the conversation because I won't hear you. Now when we talk about words, get this now, when we talk about words, words produce visions. Whenever I say blue, what do you think of? Whenever I say brown horse, what do you think of? Whenever I say green car, what do you think of? Immediately, your mind, what does it do? Your mind puts an image with whatever word is said, whatever words you read, whatever words you hear. But the key is this, guys isn't it interesting that words are produced and they present authority, but they come from an image? God said, I created man in my own image, in our own likeness have we created both male and female, what? And put them in dominion of the earth, go forth and to pursue, right? To take dominion. The word image, and you've heard me talk about this before, is the word imagio. And it means to image, like make an image. When you take a picture, you all that are really old, like me, remember the old cameras that when you take a picture, the Polaroid that come out and you'd watch it develop in front of you. Well, you saw that image, right? You push the button. You, wow, that's a. We just sat around my stepdad. And we just watched. He's a. I don't even know what he's taking pictures. Of. He just loved watching. We just watch it develop. We were enamored with it. Develop. Probably like when caveman was enamored with the first fire that went up, right? When he got finally. Oh, that, what's that? Ooh. So, when we look at this and we think about this word image, God said, we, we, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, have created them, male and female, he said, in our image and in our likeness. But somewhere along the way, we understand, right, that Adam and Eve listened to the wrong voice and got words in their mind and a different image of what the tree of knowledge of good and evil was that God presented to them to protect them to stay away from. They were convinced it was good for them and they took of that tree and what happened? Then curse, death, disease, all of these things come into existence. From that point on, man has been born, women have been born, children have been born in an imperfect image an imperfect set where we're, we're not like the Father Son and Holy Spirit but when the second Adam came what happened he gave us a new image a new imagio of what we're to be and he Jesus represented God in flesh and blood on this earth he is 100% God 100% man and we learned a lot about what God loves and what God hates but what Jesus loved and what Jesus hated and as we understand that one of the things that Jesus hated was religion because he said religion is the thief of my power what does it mean it means not even if it's bad religion what he's talking about when you create a doctrine or a religion that has limits on it it fights against God because God is limitless And as we begin to understand that, that God is limitless and we are not here to put limits on God, we are here to catch, to visualize, to see, to grab hold of who we are as sons and daughters of God with the fullness of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that we live and walk in His image and in His likeness, that we become like Him versus the imprint and the image we were born with and then the image and imprint that we were told we are. Now, if you're older like me, you might remember the Etch-A-Sketch. I think it's making a comeback, right? You shake it and then you can take little things and draw all these cool things and shake it and start over. What happens when you're drawing it? What are you doing? You're making an image, right? And if you don't like it, you just shake it and start over. Well, you know, our country has been started and you can't just shake it and start over. But what you can do is improve it. What you can do is tweak it and change it and make it into the image we want it to be. But I can promise you this, any other image other than the image of the Father is gonna be a faulty image. Any other image than the image of truth, grace, love, hope, and honor is a false image. Jesus said you cannot get honor when honor is not given. So no matter where we stand today, what image we have in our mind of anything, we are still required to love what? With no conditions and pray for unity and to honor someone even if their opinion is different than ours. Isn't it interesting how God has protected this church in a sense of months ago when God gave me the message that, that, that even if we disagree politically, what we're to what? Love unconditionally and pray for unity? Did you know it's easier to love people like you? It's easier to hang out with people that you have similarities with. Don't we kind of gravitate to who we're similar with? And, and, it's, and psychologists call it the in-group and the out-groups. And we all unconsciously, through the image and imprint we have, gravitate to who and whom we're more comfortable with. It doesn't mean that it's wrong, and it doesn't mean we don't enjoy being with people that we're not exactly alike. What we have to understand is, just like if you're a left-hander in this world— Things, you didn't have the opportunities that right-handed students had, right? All the seats for the left-handed, right, are made for the right-handed students. But you got the same teacher, you had opportunities, but you didn't have the same privilege or opportunity as a right or left-handed student. There's, what are you saying, preacher? What I'm telling all of you out there in social media land and internet land and in the sanctuary today is that sometimes... You're in the left-hand seat and group, and sometimes you're in a right-hand group. But what we got to do is love unconditionally, pray for unity, and give space for the left-handers to come around and learn to write right-handed. No, give space, right, to hear and to listen and to love unconditionally, whether you're in a left-hand group, a right-hand group, whether it's your in-group or whether it's your out-group. Because in reality, we are one group. We are one people. We are of one blood. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. If we, the church, miss this, we will miss the greatest opportunity that we've had to bring a move of God to transform and maybe bring the second coming of Christ back since Acts chapter 2. But it's up to us to determine how we are going to live, how we are going to grow, how we are going to love, how we are going to understand. So, as soon as I say, let's celebrate Independence Day, there's a lot of connotations out there that wasn't out there five years ago. To one person, it's a definition of one thing. To one group, it's a definition of something else. So, it's very difficult whenever you're having those discussions, if you don't have a discussion... To have understanding of one another, and just because it's the way it's always been doesn't mean it's the best way. But I believe God has set this ministry up for such a time as this. We have people that look different. We have people that vote different. We have people that have different income ratios and different ages and different educational backgrounds and different careers and businesses. Not we we have. Just a just a, a composite of a micro of of really our city, our nation, and even our world to an extent. I mean, we don't have all nations here, but we have more than most churches do on a regular basis, at least in the Midwest. So we have a unique opportunity to be a light. We have a unique opportunity to set a standard. We have a unique, just like I said with Rayanne. isn't it great that when you have conversations, you don't have to agree, but you can honor and love and have empathy and try to understand. Now, how many of y'all know when the Band-Aids first pulled off, it's the worst? Then after that, it's like, oh, okay. It's still irritated, isn't it? Well, I think what's happened in the last couple months, the band-aid's been ripped off. And there's been a lot of screaming and crying from everybody mom's crying because her baby's crying because, you know, if, if you know, you're a little baby, you're a your little boy or a little girl, and you rip a Band-Aid off and you know it's going to hurt, you know it's going to hurt, you rip it off, and then, then the mom starts crying because her little child's crying because she hurt him, but she didn't really hurt him. She had to take the Band-Aid off. If she didn't, the little child would be infected and have a disease, and who knows what could happen. So she had to rip it off, and it didn't hurt her, but because it hurt her child, she, it is worse than hurting her. What if I could feel your pain and you're not even my child? What if I could feel your pain and have empathy and honor you just the way you are? That'd be cool. Because all of us would say, I want everyone to understand me and honor me just the way I am, right? Because I'm okay. But the only way I can... Honor you is truly, I can honor you, but the only way you're going to get the full benefit of me honoring you is you honoring me. You see, the Bible says, judge not lest ye be judged in that day. Judge yourself lest ye be not judged in that day. We as the body of Christ are the most unique thing on this planet, and we know that. And it's up to you and I to understand how to navigate these times. I mean, when you think about the times we're in, people, we've never faced anything like COVID. Never. We've been shut down, shut in. I mean, it is still up and down. Are we out too soon? Not out. Can we go? Can we not? And, And then you think about the financial pressures on family. I was talking to a police officer yesterday in Lexington, and he said, he told me, he said that, uh, uh, spousal abuse and family abuse is up 500 percent overdoses are over a thousand percent off the charts in this area right now so just think about it if anything's bad in the home it's not going to probably get better in COVID right when you're locked together right if a marriage is on the rocks it's going to be a rocky time right so what whenever the what's that say whenever the pressure comes whatever's in comes out right and what I want you to do, but but I'm kind of setting the stage here, right? I'm setting the stage. I got a little plan here. God changed my whole world 45 minutes ago. I just walked in the door and threw my jacket on to get out here. But He's God, and I'm not, and I'm I'm fine with that. I couldn't. Could, isn't that an interesting question? Would you really want to be God? I mean, could you imagine? Because God loves the murderer and the victim right? God loves the offendee and the offender God loves the healthy and the sick he he is God, he is other he died for all of us his comprehension and authority is at such a different realm and a different level thankfully he first loved us Hmm. so where does that leave us? Where does that place us where does that put us guys I mean you might be tired of me saying it but I really don't care look what God gave us almost two years ago that we're going to experience what supernatural advancement in every area of our life through three things clarity growth and vitality has anybody had an opportunity to get more clarity in the last 18 months Has anyone had an opportunity to grow? See, we thought we were growing if we like, oh, we added 40. There was 40-some new businesses, at least, that I know of started in this church last year. That's exciting. People's income increase. People, a lot of good things, promotions, and, and people getting healthy and doing all this stuff. And we thought, man, we're growing. We're living a, vita- a life of vitality. And then we realized we didn't even know what challenges we had lying ahead. We didn't even have a clue of what growth God was going to say that it's time for. We're trying to have growth from mindset of over 200 years, but get this, of millenniums. We're growing through millenniums of thought processes. Thank goodness we have God, right? Thank goodness we have God. Now, as we look at that, And we began to think about our challenges. The only way I can grow is the more clear or knowledge or understanding I have of a matter. Remember, those who know the why will always employ those who and lead those who know the what and the how. So it's always important, even if you're a good what-how person, you got to still understand why. Because why is where the peace comes from. Why is where the confidence comes from. Why is where the security comes from. And why is where the greatest provision comes from. You're not only providing for yourself, but you're providing for others. So as we look at this great nation of ours, yes, and perfect, as she is. But I look at you, both here and you in other states and so on on social media, and you're great but imperfect. So if we could all just understand that there are no perfect people on the planet, there's no perfect kingdom other than God's, there's no perfect government, and if we could come to a place where we could realize that it doesn't take much to change everything. You're saying, yeah, what? what planet is that dude it doesn't take much as a matter of fact it just takes very little as a matter of fact here in about five minutes or less I'm going to show you that it really only takes a little bit to change anything and everything everybody say little bit see that's where I'm from little bit was a, a thing right they call you little bit you know you run around and, hey little bit get away from my car you're going to scratch it right Hey, give me a little bit more gravy. That's a lie. You want a lot more gravy, right? Give me a little bit more of that chicken. No, you want a lot more of that chicken. But with God, with God, with God, little is much. But if we have in our mind the image of what we're looking at right now, We will never live in victory. Because no matter what you think or what you do with your life, until God says it's over, this world will spin on its axis. No matter what opinion I have or you have, God's church, the remnant will grow no matter what. We just gotta decide whose team are we on. And realize that this is not a hopeless time this is a perilous time and you know what, the word perilous means what? dangerous opportunities this is a time of dangerous opportunities you go into conversations that are dangerous but it's the greatest opportunity to truly know one another and understand one another. We go into, you know, our careers, our business, work, it's dangerous opportunities, but this is a whole other realm. This this time right now, and I said at the beginning, I think of last week's message, that I have never seen the church in my lifetime as a child growing up and all that on its heels like I see a church on its hills. I'm not just talking about that, I'm talking about the body of Christ. And and we are a church made up of many ethnicities. I can't even imagine what an all-black, all-white, all-Asian, all-Hispanic church is dealing with right now. What Can you even imagine that? So what we gotta realize, guys, is we even have a greater opportunity to bring diversity and all the imagery it needs to come to other churches and ministries in our city and our nation and to live it out the way it can be lived but we got to be up for it but here's the key image what's that saying I heard around this place one or two times where my focus goes my energy flows what energy my physical energy, my mental energy, my spiritual energy, my existence, my momentum. Isn't it interesting that, like I shared with you the last couple weeks about the third option, right? And, and, and how the Pharisees and the Sadducees were trying to convince Jesus that, uh, you know, they were trying to trick him so they could stone him or persecute him or something like that. And they ask him, sir, was it... And whose authority or whatever was John the Baptist baptized? And they thought, well, you know. The, no, they said, and whose authority, under whose authority do you do these miracles to Jesus? And they thought, well, he's going to reveal he's the son of God here. Or he's going to make it like he's higher than the prophets. He's the number one. He's higher than the Sanhedrin. He's the guy. So either way, we get to do something to this guy and shut him down and shut him up. Because, shh, he's not like. Oh, but we love God our whole life. We studied the Torah. We studied the Word. We have little things on the front of our hats that when we walk around, we keep the Word in front of us 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We pray every hour. We know God. They knew God. But the no part now was past tense because God is always moving. He's a moving target. And you're never going to live in a world that needs God that's not moving because it's always trying to catch up with him. It's always trying to catch up. Even unconsciously, even Satan competing with God is trying to move and catch up with God. And then Jesus said, I'll answer that question if you answer my question. Under whose authority did John the Baptist baptize people? And they talked among themselves, remember? Remember? And when they talked among themselves, what they say? Uh, well, if we say uh, he did it under God's authority, that means we're legitimizing this Jesus guy. But if we say he didn't do it under God's authority, they'll stone us because they all know John the Baptist was a true prophet. So they decided to do this. Uh, we really don't know. He said, then neither will I tell you under what authority I do this. You see, Jesus never asked you a question to help himself. He only asks you a question to help you. And what kind of question do we have today? What is racism? What is a nation? What is a people under one nation? What is a people under one nation? God, indivisible, can't divide. Well, we know there's division. But do we curse churches and say close all the doors? Because I don't know, every church has some division in it. So do we close the nation? And I don't think anybody wants that. I think we want to be heard. I think we want to be understand. I think we want to love unconditionally. I think we want to be there for one another. I think we want to grow. I think we want to have a life of vitality. But you know why they call it growing pains because it's painful and our nation's in some growing pains and we're going to stay in those growing pains until we get it until we learn the lesson but God doesn't give you a question like this unless he's got some crazy blessing on the other side he's got guys you know, sometimes, you know, I'll have a pity party going, my goodness, Lord, why couldn't I have been a pastor in any other generation but this? This is crazy. What about the 50s or, you know, or, or back in 1900, you know, at Azusa Street? Why couldn't I have been around, you know, when John, John the Baptist was around? Why couldn't I have been around, you know, when John Wesley was preaching on his horse and going around England? Why couldn't I have been around with Smith Wigglesworth? But you put me in this time for a reason. But you know what? He put you in this time for a reason. And you and you and all you out there put up with me a little bit because you know there's something about us that's a little bit different. I didn't say perfect, but a little bit different. And here's the key. When I say have faith for a nation, that could mean a lot of things. When I say I have faith for a nation, I'm saying have a faith for all the nations that make one great nation. I'm not talking about, you know, a political party or anything like that, independence or anything like that. I'm talking about an ethnos of people that are a God people that does God's business. Now I could stand here and talk to you a little bit about Jesus. I will here in a minute, but who did Jesus hang out with? Everybody. A lot of people say, well, he just hung out with the sinners, the publicans, and, and, you know, the prostitutes. And, And he hung out with who else? He hung out with the tax collectors who robbed their own people but he also hung out with these weird Sanhedrin and rabbis and he was in church every week, right? He was teaching in the synagogues or at least in the synagogues. He paid his tithes, his alms. I mean, Jesus was, so it's easy if I say, well, I'm a sinner, he was with sinners. No, he wasn't in the church or he was in, I'm in the church, I'm faithful. Well, he was with me. He was everywhere because it was all his people. Even those that hadn't made a decision to follow him, He knew he was going to pay a price for them. Hmm. So be careful when you label Jesus and be careful when you label others. But listen, be more careful when you label yourself. Because whatever you went through in your life, the etchy sketch of your life, whoever had those controls formed your image. And your image is in your mind. How did they form those image in you? Through words. Man, those words, right? Those words. Affirmation or denunciation, right? Love or hate. You're brilliant or you're stupid. Those words that you and I have heard along with physical things that took place. But anybody in here say, even if you've been through some physical abuse, the words are the things that you remember more than anything else? That caused them or that brought them or that, see? Words have authority because every word that's given is authored by someone. And you and I, are the sum total today of every word that's, been came, that's come to us in our life and how we've navigated that word. And a lot of us has come through some tough stuff, and we know we could have been a mess or dead or in jail or whatever. Maybe we've been that and come back a time or two. I don't know. But what I'm saying is we've come through some stuff. Everybody say through is important. And I'm going to tell you, we're going to get through this together and we're going to grow together we're going to be stronger than ever because we're family I'm not just saying in these four walls the smallest amount of influence any of us have is in these four walls our influence is out there and what we take out there is going to determine what happens in this nation and so let's think about that image that likeness I look around this room. Isn't it interesting how God creates us? It's so wild. I look around this room. I can see the people sitting in this section and this section and that section. I can see with mask, without mask. I can see the sound booth. I can see someone when they walk through and walk out the door or in the door. And if I don't look at the screen, I, I could see me there. But if I say I don't have that screen there and I'm just looking around. Isn't it interesting? I can see everyone and everything in the room, but I can't see me. I can see every image in the room. The color of the carpet, the color of the chair. How many people are sitting there? How many? I can see all the image of your faces. I can see all these images. But the most important image of all I can't see is my image. Isn't it interesting how God made us to depend on one another? And that each one of us now depend on the image we project on each other. So if we the church can't give a good image to one another, but, 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 but you don't understand they came at me, oh, they didn't come at Jesus, did they? They lied on me, no, they didn't lie on Jesus, they? they beat me, no, they didn't be, no, 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 they said, no, no. Now, what image do I give those, whether they love me or not, whether they get me or not, whether they understand me or not, because the true transformation only happens at the root of the matter, and at the root of every matter is an image. You and I, you know, you've seen those pictures and it's like a squiggly line or two and this and that. And everybody looks at it and very few people get it. And then finally the speaker tells you it's a woman and you can see with her hat and her nose and her face. You go, wow, I, I was looking at that for five minutes and couldn't see it. Well, the only reason he saw it because someone told him that figured it out, that originally created it and had to tell everybody so they'd get it. And then they got it and then they use it as a to- teaching tool. See, there's a lot of things you're not seeing that you're going to see. There's a lot of greatness in you that others haven't seen and they're going to see. But here's the other thing. There's a lot of greatness in you you haven't seen that you're going to see. And here's the key, and I'm going to go to the scripture now. God can do a lot with a little bit. Let's look at that for just a second. Turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 17. Matthew's Gospel Chapter 17. When I look at our nation, and we have faith for our nation, that means we're believing for healing and unity that what was originally declared over this nation comes to pass by God and even what man had created and come up with. We're believing for all the amazing things that our Constitution says we have, right? That we're equal that we all have the same rights and so on. We all have the same privilege. Now the only thing that messes that up is people because people are goofy. Anybody know that? I'm goofy, you're goofy. I'm imperfect, you're imperfect. But together we make up a nation. So the key is until we grow as individuals, the nation can't grow. Listen, until we mature as individuals, the nations cannot immature. mature. Until we grow spiritually, there can't be a spiritual reformation. Until we grow in our understanding, the understanding, well, I'll just hide out. I'm done with this. Y'all do what you want. I'm going to do my job. I'm not even talking to a stranger. I don't know. But then you're going to be ignorant and you're going to be left behind. And maybe there's a great healing and you live in seclusion and never see, never participate in the healing. Kind of like the guy that supported one football team his whole life. They never won a championship. And then he looks away at the commercial or whatever and a touchdown happens and they win and they're like, look, look. He's like, what? I missed the greatest catch ever? Don't miss the greatest catch ever. Don't miss the greatest highlight ever. Because I assure you, and I'm, I'm a day or two older than some of you. A day or two, maybe a week younger than some of you. No, just kidding. This is not the whole story. This is a highlight. It's a highlight. The question is, is it going to be a championship highlight or a failing highlight? Is it going to be a highlight that produces a victory or keeps us in defeat? That's where it's at. Now, I said all that to say this. We can't have faith for a nation if we don't have faith ourselves. We cannot have faith for a nation if we do not have faith. It starts with us. So be careful of all the things you're looking at. Be careful of all the things you're listening to. Make sure you're listening to balanced stuff, looking at stuff, stuff you agree with, you disagree with. But always come back to what God says. And weigh it and measure it against what God says. So, this is interesting here. I'll read. Jesus just came off the Mount of Transfiguration. You know what that is? That's where he's up there. And Moses appears. And uh, Elijah appears. And then Peter and John, I think it was, got to see it. and, And what happened? He transfigured from his human body into his spirit body. And they were in their spirit body. And they all got to see this transfiguration, this metamorphosis. And then... They leave and Jesus comes back in his body. are like, oh my God, let's build a church right here. We'll put the steeple here. This, the, We're never leaving this spot. We just saw God and we just saw Moses and we just saw, we're not. He's like, let's go. Where are we going? Down the mountain. We're on the mountain of transfiguration. A, no, no, we're going down the mountain. We're leaving this high lot. We're going down the mountain. Where are we going to? To those sheep down there. Those stinky, smelly, ignorant sheep that don't even know you're the son of God don't respect you, they curse you, they try to kill you, and you're up here praying for them and loving them, and they're they're trying to do it, and you're going back to them? Huh. What would Jesus do? Even the people closest to him didn't fully get it. They got it more after he ascended, but they didn't fully get it in the beginning, right? So this sets up the stage. He had anointed him to go out and preach the gospel. His disciples, remember, and heal the sick and set the captives free. But there was one young lad who we would call it epilepsy. But, or, but not saying all epilepsy is this, but this happened to be more of a demonic spirit. And when it would come on this young man, he'd lose control of his body. And he would have episodes. Of, if he's around water, he could drown. He'd throw himself in water. He rode on fire. Whatever it was, he, he could not control what was going on in his body and his father took him to all these different disciples and none of them could heal him and he finally finds Jesus and they're all coming in with their victory of all the good stuff that happened they didn't want to talk about the one that didn't happen but when it's your kid you'll speak up and the father said master I I took my son to your disciples they couldn't heal him I don't know what to do and then we'll pick it up there what? What? Then Jesus went on, helped his unbelief, healed his son. And then they asked Jesus, Why couldn't we heal him? Let's pick it up there in verse fourteen. And when they had come to the multitude, a man. Well, I'll just pick it up there. When they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him, saying, "Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. For often he falls in the fire, often in the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him." Verse 17, then Jesus answered and said, he's not speaking to this man, he's speaking to the whole time he's in. O oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear you? And then, you know, because he just had a moment, right? Even Jesus had a moment. And then he said, okay, bring him to me. <laughs> and Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Verse 19, then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? Why could we? And Jesus said in verse 20, Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. What's unbelief? It's the opposite of belief. For assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, now, I didn't have time because God changed everything. I'm not going to blame it on God. It changed. My spirit changed. I'm finally catching up to what he wanted. But you could take a mustard seed and put it on the end of your finger and still barely see it. You could take a mustard seed and hold your fingers as tight as you can and just drop it in your fingers there. And eventually it would slide through. If you tried to find it, you'd definitely lose it. Drop. It's so tiny. It's the tiniest seed. But what's interesting, it grows into a huge tree and all that, right? And he said, uh, and he said to him, because you're unbeliever. surely I said to you, if you have faith, what? That's a mustard seed. Or if you have just a little bit of faith. See, we're focused on when I say have faith, how can I build my faith? I want to tell you, you already got the faith it takes. Look at your neighbor and say, you got what it takes. You just got to use it. Mustard seed, it represents a little bit. He says, if you have faith just a little bit, you will say to this mountain. Wow. That's what Gabby calls everybody, a little bit, isn't it? Or what do you call a little, little guy, yeah. So, so look at this. So, if you, what? Say. The word say, epo means to declare, to proclaim or make a proclamation. That's why the scripture says that That life and death, what comes from your tongue? That's why James said in James 1 or 2, he said, if you can't control your tongue, cut it out of your mouth. It's better for you to cut it out of your mouth and make it to heaven than to keep that tongue if you can't control it. Huh. So, why are they saying that? It's not because of the negative things we say necessarily. It's the fact that we have the power to bring imagery, images, into existence with what we say. And when we say these things, then it becomes other people's perception and eventually their reality, because my reality is different than James's, and James's is different than mine. Why? Because our perceptions are different, because we were sketched by different people and relationships, and so on. But the whole thing about God—we're constantly going back to Him to be reshaped, like in His image not our upbringing, right? Nothing wrong with our upbringing. I'm proud of my upbringing. Everybody should be proud of our upbringing. All I'm saying is now let's take that and become who God called us to be and you'll change the world. He says, so if you say, declare what to this mountain, move from here, it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Now let's think about that for a second. We think if I'm going to move a mountain, an obstacle, a problem, a circumstance, a disease, poverty, a debt, a broken relationship, unforgiveness. If we're going to move that mountain, we have to have a mountain of faith, right? i got to grow my faith so I can knock that mountain down. And God, Jesus said, no, you, you just need to get rid of that little bit of unbelief and take on that little bit of faith that little bit of mustard seed faith that I put inside you before you were even saved. You know, if you didn't have that little bit in you, you couldn't have been saved. Cause we are what, saved by what? Grace through faith. If you don't have the faith, you can't have the grace because grace is a free gift from God. And in Romans five, it teaches us that Jesus is the second Adam, he is grace. So, as so we begin to understand that and we get that image in our mind, now we realize look at this, that I don't have to have a massive mountain of faith to move a massive mountain in my life. I just have to have a little bit of faith. Just a little bit. Just, just a little bit of faith that I got saved with is enough to move any mountain. But I got to believe. Because if I believe, Sam, what's possible? Everything, all things, right? All things are possible. Who? To them that didn't say to them that unbelieve. It didn't say to them that have great faith. Just to them that believe that a little bit of faith can move the greatest mountain in your life. Wow. So don't underestimate your opinion. Don't underestimate your knowledge. Don't underestimate your influence. Don't underestimate why you are on this planet, in this place now. Because if you do, you'll sell yourself short of what God created you for. Now, you don't have to have a mountain of faith to move a mountain of promises, uh, of problems. Why? Because God's promise is not proportional. You know... When he said you could be saved by faith through grace, what did he say? He didn't say, now you're saved, now you get a little more saved. No. The blessing of salvation isn't proportional. When you got saved, you got saved. You got eternal life. Not proportional eternal life. But forever. You're gonna, when you die, take your last breath, absolute body, present Lord. You got the whole promise that instant, that second. God does not operate in proportions. The only reason you and I operate in proportions is because we can only believe that way. Shh, listen, listen. You only believe what you can see. But in his kingdom, true belief is what you cannot see. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not see. We're trained as children with the image to believe in what we see. And we see with our ears more than we do with our eyes. And what we hear gives us an image. And then that image, it creates a perception. And that perception is my reality and your reality. But see, God does not give his promise in proportions. God doesn't weigh things the way you think. The mountain is not as big to God as it is you. He doesn't see it the way you see it. And he doesn't do it the way you do it. He's not going, listen now, God's blessing is not proportioned to what you see. God's blessing is proportion to what he says. When I look out at you, I see you. I don't see me. I, 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 so I'll be preaching. I, it's hard with mask stuff or whatever. People all spread out, but I'll, I'll see you and I'll, I'll, I'll try to read. Is this connecting? Do I need to go deeper, move on or whatever? You know what, And I get a perception of how things are going and how are flowing and how much information you can take today and when you can't take anymore. And what I'm perceiving, but that's not your reality. That's my reality. It's my perception. That's what I see when it's your marriage it's about to go up in flames when it's your son or daughter that's addicted when it was your car that was stolen when it was your home that was repossessed it's a huge mountain and the worst thing that can happen is oh sister just have faith I'm believing with you you just want to slap them don't you? you're like yeah cause you're going to drive your car and go to your home and hang out with your kids I'm losing everything your mountain listen your mountain as much as you want to, will never measure up as someone else's mountain. I have to deal with my mountain. I have to deal with my perception. When that happens, then I can intake other people's perceptions, I can intake their mountains and I can get a better view and be higher and see and be more effective. Now I'm not saying you can't help people with their mountain and understand and feel the mountain, I'm just saying everyone in this room, we have our mountains, right? Everyone in this room, you have your sin you battle, you have your problems, your situations and all that that you're dealing with. But here's the key, the mountain is whatever you see right now. I mean, you heard me use the illustration, I have time of Robin Williams, he wanted to be a comedian, he was, he wanted an Oscar for a comedian, he was, he wanted an Oscar for a movie, he did, he wanted a serious role, he wanted. he was wealthy, he gave food to the homeless, he had a happy marriage and all that, and he hung himself. And you say, how could Robin Williams do that? The funniest, nicest guy, how could he? Obviously, his perception of himself wasn't what you thought it was. So really, in the end, it was more what he thought of himself mattered more than what the whole world thought about it. Remember, your mother said when you were born, you were beautiful, and we know better than that, right? (laughs) None of us were, we were all messed up, right? Jesus told his disciples, he said, you fail because you lack faith. And the only reason you lack faith is not because you have it. You're not accessing it because it just takes a little bit. You don't have it because of your um, belief. He didn't say you don't fail because you don't don't have passion. He didn't say you, you didn't fail, you felt, you know, you, you failed because you didn't want that kid healed, or you failed because you didn't have passion, or you failed because you didn't want to serve me, or you failed because you didn't want to honor me. He said you failed because you trusted more in what you could see than what you could not see. Be careful where you're building your trust today. Good to take news, good to take information. It's good to hear a lot of stuff, right? That's all good. But you gotta have the right perspective. If you're trusting something that's wrong or partially right, that's a reward you get. If I'm trusting what I can see, I can watch the news like you. I can see what's going on. But someone closer to it, in it, has a different perspective than I do, because they're in it. But I sit here and I can watch it and I can have my opinions on like, all that, that's fine. But what I'm saying is, if you are so consumed with that, you will not have faith. Because all that stuff out there is not gonna change until the church changes. And you are the church. Kind of like one preacher said, we got to raise $50 million. Everybody's like, yeah, we're going to do it. We have it. Yeah. You have it. Oh. He was telling them, oh, you got the money. You just need to give it. And it changed. I'm telling you, you all got the faith. You got to spend it. You got to use it. You got to trust more in what you do not see which means I perceive, I understand, and look at it from another, trust more in what I don't see, so I can truly see what God wants me to see. Because no side has it 100%. If any side in any equation, whether it's race, whether it's uh, uh, social justice, whether it's conservatism, liberalism, whatever, had it all, there wouldn't need to be a third option, right? Remember the third option from the last couple weeks, right? Satan's goal, he could care less whether you're for or against something. He just wants you to be for or against as long as the other person is the opposite of you because then he wins because he just wants to cause division because if believers come together, he can't stop them. But the third option is Jesus and what Jesus wants. And he wants us to grace one another. He wants us to love unconditionally, right? He wants us to do his will. so when we fail it's not failing because of what we do not see it's more failing because of what we see so we look at mustard seed faith I'm going to wind down here I'm kind of giving you a little opening I'll pick it up again next week because I can see you getting a little tired it's like you're taking in too much When we compare the potency of our faith and contrast between the size of the seed, it doesn't seem like much, right? I mean, when I take a mustard seed, next week I'll try to have a picture, maybe an illustration, put on the tip of my finger and have to hold it with tweezers so I don't lose it right so small and I put that little thing up you know it's kind of like when the old days before they had all the equipment what they do they odd stuff out and they'd have some thing up there they try to get it plumbed or get it lined right get the get it zoned in survey it or whatever when you take that little See, It's small or smaller, smaller than the tip of a pen. And I take that tip of pen and I look at my mountain of addiction. My mountain of sin. My mountain of debt. My mountain of unforgiveness. Whatever the mountain is I'm facing. My mountain of lack. My mountain of being misunderstood. My mountain of being abused. And how do I overcome that? That little thing right there doesn't look much when you see this big massive mountain in front of you. And all you can see is the mountain. And you know what's so amazing about the mountain? The mountain's so massive, you can't see around it, through it, or over it. There's only one way to get past the mountain, and that's to remove it. And the only thing that's going to truly remove that mountain is what you don't see, but what you must say. For instance, when you're so ticked off and your veins are about to pop out of your neck and you look at someone and you pample and say, I understand. I get it. I think I'm trying. But everything in you, you're like, oh, I don't agree with this. And that's all directions today. Throw politics out there. Throw religion out there. And definitely throw what we're going on with race in our nation. But you and I, have to come to a different realization and realize we got the we got the answer, that little bit, we got the little bit that can remove, not just move it over, cut it, chop it, remove it, like removing cancer from the body. Think about that. When you're standing in front of your problem, your mountain, you can't see over it, you can't see around it, you can't see through it. Now here's something else. Here's something. Now let's look at it from the other perspective. So that's one way to look at it. Yeah, that mountain, I've been dealing with it since I was a little boy or a little girl. Yeah, that mountain's there. Okay. Now that mountain is. Here's the good news the mountain can't move. The mountain can't grow. It can't get bigger. It can't get wider. It's an object that can't move. It's there. But that mustard seed can grow. And it can grow into a branch, into a tree, that it gets so large that the largest birds will live on them and nest on them. And that seed can make more trees. And more mustard seed produces more mustard seed. And it can produce a forest. And it can produce a forest all the way till Jesus comes back. In other words, Jesus, you know, he's kind of intelligent, wasn't he? He was saying this little tiny seed, this little bit of faith, is limitless that mountain is what it is you know like I tell you sometimes well if you don't like it just buckle up little buckaroo that's the way it is right my boy said I don't want to ever hear that again daddy just buckle up little buckaroo what what am I saying that's what it is you named it now let's remove it let's remove it And the only way we're gonna remove it is come together and learn and understand and grow together with God and understand one another and together as one, release all of our little bit together and annihilate and remove this division and murderous spirit of racism and anything else that comes against God's people or people that could come to God. Does anybody believe that today? I said, does anybody believe that today? Me and we will pray. Jesus said what? His blessing is not proportional. That means he doesn't see it the way you and I see it. He doesn't weigh it the way we see it. He doesn't see that mountain the same way you see that Now, what do you tell that little girl going into sixth grade and her knees are gaggly and she's not, you know, not developed and she's, you know, growing and out of sorts and you're like, it'll be okay, honey. Ninth grade's coming. Tenth grade's coming. What do you tell that little boy when he's not growing as fast as the other kids? Don't worry, son. There'll be a day you'll be wanting to lose weight, not gain weight. There'll be a day you'll be, you know, see, you. Know, you see something they don't see because you've experienced it. So the, ooh, this is good. So the only way I'm going to see something I've never seen is if someone with that experience presents it to me in a way I can receive it and then I can see it with them. And there will always be yelling and screaming and disagreement and pointing fingers, but that's not us. That's not who God made us to be. God made us to be one. We're one family, right? That's the whole body of Christ should be one over this. Shouldn't be any disagreement. Now, that doesn't mean we get it. I don't get it. I'm getting it more. And I'll probably never totally get it because I've probably been through some stuff I could tell you and explain and we could cry together and you wouldn't get it totally, but you would try your best. We won't, but man, just trying. Does that make all the difference in the world? And do you know if we just try, we are to get way more than we ever thought we would get anyway, and we're gonna make everything better? Because what happens when the lake rises, if, if one drop goes in, it causes everything to go up just a little bit. If a gallon goes in, if a ton goes in, anything like that, it all rises together. And I'm just telling you, we, we're the church, we're like water. And if we try to separate from one another and do our thing, we're gonna be a swamp and we're gonna produce death. But if we wanna be a river and flow, we gotta flow with God and flow the way God wants us to flow and face whatever mountain and face whatever obstacle and face anything that's damning up God's presence, anything that's damning up God's love in us, around us or through us or to others. we gotta just tear down Anything that would hold back the flow of God's love, God's grace, God's faith, God's hope. I want you to stand up with me on a count of three. I want you to close your eyes. Stand up first and then close your eyes. And on a count of three, I want you to imagine whatever mountain you're facing. And on a count of three, I want you to shout as loud as you can move. That's the first step. Start speaking to your mountain. And I want you to shout, move as loud as you can. And I want you to visualize and really think about, man, there is that mountain. But it just takes a little bit of faith to remove that mountain. Maybe your mountain is abuse. Maybe your mountain is racism. Maybe your mountain is fear and phobia. Maybe your mountain is disease, or terminal illness. Maybe your fa- mountain is divorce, abandonment, abuse. Poverty. Unforgiveness. On a count of three, you're going to shout mountain move. Ready? Are we ready? Are we ready? Here we go. One, two, three. One, two, three. One, two, three. If Mark was here, he'd get you to do that way better. That's his gift, man. But I think... Did this help anybody today? Did this help anybody today? And guys, I'm going to say stuff that's going to potentially offend people on all sides. Because I'm like you, I'm I'm trying to grow too. And we're all trying to grow. But here's the key. No matter what conversation, even if you're not in the conversation, and you hear about a conversation, because that's the worst. That's what we, most of time, that's what we Give space to learn. Give space to grace. Let's don't be so quick to judge. Let's don't be so quick to judge someone's intent or why they do or don't do what they do. Oh, why don't we just love them just as they are, not the way I think they should be? Wow, I heard that somewhere. Why don't we allow them to become just like we want to become who God designed us to be and them become who God designed, it's just their journey may be different than yours and it may be a learning for them and a learning for you or vice versa but when we learn together, we grow together when we grow together, we have vitality together we have life together, amen let me pray for you, Father I just thank you for all those watching today online all those that will watch later this week and that share this message and Thank you for everyone that's so brave to gather on campus with us today. We just give you glory. Holy Spirit, teach us. Sometimes it's painful, but we want you to keep teaching us. We want to learn. We want to grow. We want to understand. We want to bring our little bit of faith to remove the mountain of racism, remove the mountain of poverty and injustice, remove. The mountains of disease and all those things. But right now, this is the biggest mountain that we as the church need to face on. And it's not the only mountain. But God, help us understand it. Help us understand ourselves and help us understand others. We love you. Bless Bethel. Bless our church. Bless our family and bless all those viewing today. We honor you and love you, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said, Come on, give God a big shout of praise.